Good morning, good to see you. Uh, welcome again. So good uh, always to be together. And we're in a series called Just Jesus. And um, we just wanted to focus at the beginning of this year on, on him, actually. We want to fall more in love with him. We want to understand him more as for who he is and what he has done. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where we're at. Today's message is called Loved to Death. It's called Loved to Death. And um, we're in Romans 5. Uh, if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your, pull it up on your devices, um, it will come up on the screen. Uh, so you can follow it there too. Um, and I'm going to read it. Uh, therefore, straight through uh, verses 1 in chapter 5 uh, through to 11. And it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, here's my key verse for today. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Well, there's plenty in there. And uh, quick pricey of Romans up to this point. Chapter one, we find out that all of us are guilty. Chapter two, we find out that God isn't guilty. He's righteous above everything and in he has every right and is fair in his judgment of both the Jew and the Gentile, so all people. Chapter three, we read that no one is righteous again. No one can come close to the standard that God has set. All have fallen short of his glory, it tells us, but that God had made known a righteousness that we could have that wasn't through the law, but it was through faith. And it was in this person, Jesus 
Christ. Chapter 4, we see Abraham, our kind of forefather, being justified, being um, saved, as it were, through faith uh, and not by the law, which hadn't been given at that point. And then we get to chapter 5 here, and there's a huge therefore. Therefore, because of chapters 1 to 4, we have, or we can have, peace with God. And that is good news this morning for guilty sinners who had no other way of making peace with God. And by that thread, we find out that we, as God's people, are loved to death. Loved to death. And I want to look at that phrase and this theme this morning, and I want to start by telling you that I know that my wife loves me. You might say, well, how do you know that? And I will say, well, she just pulled it out of the bag at Christmas this year with incredible gifts. And um, they're going to be up here on the screen, these two gifts, and on two consecutive days, Christmas Day and Boxing Day, because I get a birthday on Boxing Day as well, two days running. And she gave me AirPods on Christmas Day. Amazing. And I got this incredible Blova watch. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's that expensive. (laughs) And I want to suggest to you that love is determined by a certain few things. The first thing that it is determined by is the cause of the gift. Like, who is this gift for, and how deservedly are they of this gift? Now, I am obviously deservedly of gifts. (laughs) Actually, I'm not all that. I'll leave it up to you whether I deserved either of those gifts or not. Love is determined by the cost of the gift. These are not cheap. These are not imitation. These are the real thing. And I'm thankful for them. The third thing that I think love is determined by is the consequence of the gift. Like what effect does it have? And it has incredible effect with these gifts. No wire. Who'd have thought it would be that, that good? You can run, you can ride on your bike and there's nothing interfering with you. You can take your worship music, your podcasts, wherever you like. It's amazing. And now I can look at the time without someone thinking I'm checking my messages on my phone. Amazing. Do you know what? Our culture is full of cost versus consequence. If I put that in, what will I get out? You know, I feel like I am pre-programmed to not love or give unless I feel like I'm getting something back to it. I want to know what I'm getting back if I'm putting something in. If you've ever watched Dragon's Den and it's a favorite of mine, Someone will bring a product or a business idea 
And the, the reality is the dragons are rich, successful businessmen and women. But the reality is they never invest if there isn't enough value in the product or the business. And so it brings this question, what is love? How much love does it take for a life? And what is life worth? A whole series of questions <laughs> that come out. And as we read that passage, I'll begin to ask myself, What an incredible sacrifice that God made. And did I really deserve it? The Bible says, and we read it in verse seven of that chapter, it says it's a very rare thing for someone to die for a holy person, like a righteous person. But for a truly good person, like through and through, someone might possibly dare to give their lives for them. And do you know what? People have. I'll tell you a story. In 1941, in a concentration camp in Auschwitz, one prisoner had escaped. And as a result, the prison guards said that they wanted 10 other men to kind of pay for the problem that had happened and try and prevent it from happening again. And they asked for 10 lives. And one of the people that they asked for, his name was Francis Gajewniczek. And as he stepped forward from the line of people that they were choosing from, he began to shout and kind of in his distress said, my wife and my children will never see me again. At that moment, another man who hadn't been called out of the line, small metal rimmed glasses, a Catholic priest, he said, hey, I'm a Catholic priest. I don't have a wife or any children. I will take his place. And remarkably, they agreed to his suggestion. And he went to the bunker to be starved to death instead of this other man, Francis. It's an incredible sacrifice. And they were in this bunker for days upon days. Apparently, the atmosphere in there was fantastic as he led them in prayer and as they encountered God, as they had no food or drink, but they had one such as God to depend on. On the 14th of August, he was the last man to die in the bunker. His name was Maximilian Colby. 41 years later, his death was put into proper perspective with 350,000 people gathered in St. Peter's Square, Rome. 26 cardinals, 300 bishops and archbishops. The Pope spoke out. He said, that 
death of Maximilian Kolbe is a victory like that of our Lord Jesus Christ, who died instead of us. Francis Guy Niewczek was in the crowd that day. He died at the age of 93, and he spent the rest of his living days, having been saved on that day, telling others about the incredible love of Maximilian Colby and the effect that he had had on his life. The Pope said it was a victory like that of our Jesus Christ, and it was, but it wasn't exactly the same. There's one big difference. Maximilian Colby, at the news that Francis Guy Nietzsche had wife and children, saw enough worth in that man and consequence that he was happy to pay the cost. But here's the big difference with Jesus Christ. And we get it in verse eight and we hear it again in verse six. And it says this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or put it another way, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. There was no sense of righteousness in us. There was no worth at that moment. There was no godliness in mankind. We were ungodly, the Bible tells us. We were powerless, verse six. Sinners, verse eight. And because of our sin, because of us turning on our backs on God and going our own way, our sin was deserving of God's righteous anger called wrath in the Bible. We were enemies to God, verse 10. And we deserved death. In order to lift Jesus higher, just for a moment, I want us to dwell on just how bad we really were. Let me help you, it's not just a few of us, it's all of us. <laughs> in Adam, the Bible tells us one man's actions way back in the garden affects every one as we all come down from Adam, all mankind. And it's just not all of us and the world it's every part of us. It's our personality, it's our mind, it's our motion, emotions, it's our flesh, Romans 8 tells us. It's a job lot of bias away from God and against God. Think more robots than lifeless mannequins. In Adam, we're still able to laugh and enjoy and, and create and love to some extent. But we are 
blind to the gospel. The Bible says that the God of this age has blinded our eyes to the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we are without rightness. <laughs> William Shedd puts it like this. He says, think the, the entire absence of holiness, not just the highest intensity of sin. There was no good in us. And we spent our days, Ephesians 2 tells us, gratifying the desires of our sinful nature. Our good works were nothing to God but filthy rags. But God demonstrates his own love for us. (laughs) Whilst we were in that place, the death of Jesus on his cross, an event. His love magnified to the utmost because we were completely undeserving of that love. We didn't deserve it at all and yet he gave his life. He paid for our sin when we were no use to him whatsoever. He loved us to his own death. And it was at a huge cost. Perhaps the highest price. His only son. Forget watches. Forget Rolex, forget AirPods, the pro version, forget everything that is material and possessive. Jesus was without sin. (laughs) He was perfect in every way. And he had to be because he was the only one that could sacrifice therefore for us in our imperfection. Maximum, Maximilian Kobe paid a huge price, but he was not perfect. He, like you and I, are saved by grace and prone to sin. The perfect Jesus Christ paid the highest cost of all. And he did it for you and he did it for me. I've come to the conclusion that without the power of the Holy Spirit, I will never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment.
And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it cost. Holy Spirit, come. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. us to understand, Lord. Help us to know that we are so loved and yet so unworthy at that moment. about the calls we we didn't deserve it we talked about the cost it was the highest price and what about the consequence well his love for us doesn't depend on how good we are for him after the event it depends on how good he was <laughs> and we get to live in all that he wins for us first thing we receive is peace with God <laughs> it's just amazing we were his enemies we're now his friends the sin that made us subject to his anger has been paid for by Jesus Christ we are therefore justified, which in my simple head, I read is just if, as if I'd never sinned. Our broken relationship with God is restored. It's called reconciliation. He's reconciled 
us through Jesus Christ. Our souls and our minds and our flesh are now at rest with him. We have peace with God. And in Christ, you can have peace, therefore, with yourself and the world. Secondly, we get to stand in grace. Not in our own merit, not in our own works, not even in our own strength, but in his mercy and grace. Ephesians tells us it's by faith, not by works. Why? So no one can boast. (laughs) We'll come to boasting in just a moment. Faith in the one who loves us unceasingly. The deal is done. I know. I can't quite believe it either. But believe it, we must. Stand on it, we must. Live it out, we must. You were worth the sacrifice. Therefore, don't ever doubt again that he loves you and that he is for you. If you lack assurance today of your salvation, then take these words and know and be assured what he started he will finish in you. We grieve God if we don't accept his gracious gift fully and for all its consequences. The recipients of this love, us, were completely undeserving. The cost of this love, unrivaled. The consequence of this love, Unbelievable what we get to live in. The author, perfecter, and the source of this love, just Jesus. It's just Jesus. And then he gives us an experience in verse five. He says, God's love, this love, I've poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. We need renewal, we need regeneration, we need our hearts being turned from stone to flesh, from robot-like pre-programmed thinking under the hands of the enemy like a slave to the world. He rewires our mind, he restores our flesh. He jumpstarts our life by the Holy Spirit coming and turning a light on literally in our hearts. The Spirit convicts us of our waywardness toward God, of our sinfulness, and he opens our eyes to the truth of the gospel and he saves us once and forever. And he's even committed through our character, through our suffering, through our perseverance for our hope that does not put us to shame. He even helps us to become more like him in the process through the power of the Spirit. My one question to you today is, are you alive in Christ Jesus? (laughs) 
are you still dead in your sin? And do you live your life like you have been loved to death? Final point, therefore, there's one more consequence and it's about rejoicing and boasting in him and not in us. When I grew up, I had this natural ability to be quite good at stuff, sports and things like that. In my university years, they nicknamed me cerebellum because it's the part of the brain uh, that is good with hand-eye coordination. And I would do things just for the show of it for others. And I spent a lot of my childhood boasting in what I could do and who I could be. And I realized that as I grew up and became older that I began, I was boasting in me more than in him or anyone else, primarily to look good and to cover up a lack of self-worth in my own life. And I've realized this now, having come on a huge journey away from that, that if we think that we are better than he is, We belittle what Christ has done. And it squashes yet limits and sometimes distinguishes the boast that we should be having in him and we boast about ourselves. Because of this passage, Paul says we can rejoice in Christ. because he has filled the hole of my self-worth. I can rejoice, yea, boast in that suffering even to his glory because he has done everything for me and he's done it for you too. He loved us to death. We are loved in this life. He loves us even through our deaths because we will not die but will be raised again to rejoice and boast and sing of his undying love for us forever and ever. Let us sing and shout about this Jesus because this is a matter of fact yes but it's also a matter of faith and of feeling and of fullness and of life transformation that we cannot find anywhere else in this world or on this earth he has done it and we get to live in the good of it.
doesn't it just want to make you praise him? Why don't we stand together? I'm going to ask Jan and the band to come back. just be before Jesus. I think there's only one response really and that's for us just to give our hearts to him again and afresh and to receive his love again and afresh. And maybe some of you are doing that even for the first time in this moment. And for you, it's about repenting of your sin, turning from that out of darkness, out of death, into light and into life, out of Adam and out of slavery, into Christ and into freedom with Christ forever and ever. And maybe you've sensed something of, maybe you've grasped something of the great love that took Jesus to the cross for you today, personally. And if you've sensed that, why don't you respond to it and be drawn into it and to ask him to show you more and to Give your life to it. And for the rest of us, let's marvel again at Jesus' incredible work. Let's revel in it. Let's boast of him. Let us become less and him become more so that our speech, our life, our songs, our worship, our work our relationships, our our whole lives are saturated with this love. Help us, God. Amen.